Why don't we begin by you guys um, introducing yourselves and, and telling us the names of your characters, would you? Sure. Uh, I'm Larry Yando, and I'm playing Constant Coquelin, who is a French actor. Shimmy, shimmy, Coquelin, shimmy, shimmy, And I'm Gregory Lennington, and I play Alphonse Mucha, who is an artist. Mucha. I'm William Dake, and I play the Paris theater critic Louis Lemercier. Well, first of all, I just want to say congratulations on all your French pronunciations. Well done, gentlemen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 668, Playing Historical Characters. The Goodman Theater in Chicago has produced an opulent production of Teresa Rebeck's Bernhardt Hamlet, in which the famous French actress Sarah Bernhardt scandalized the theater world by attempting to play Shakespeare's tragic Prince of Denmark. Three of the men in Sarah's life are played by Larry Yando as one of Sarah's fellow actors, the man who also first played the role of Cyrano de Bergerac, Gregory Linnington as the famous Czech artist, and William Dick, who plays a famous French theater critic. I was very excited to sit down with these guys between shows on a two-show day last week and talk shop. I'm a sucker for a backstage um, comedy, and um, you guys all play these wonderfully um, large uh, 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 characters. And I'm wondering if there's, uh, uh, I worked Gregory and Bill and I were all in Book of Will together, and there was at least the semblance of research that went into that, where we were pretending, yes, we're playing actual people. How much did you guys do in this? play, research into your characters. Was it was that a feature, or was the text you stuck to just Teresa Rebeck's uh, uh, play, script? Well, I know we had a fabulous dramaturg who absolutely brought in a book of uh, any possible term or vocabulary or reference that so we and with uh, the surrounding information and we so we knew all that and I'm sure we all looked at that and it was pretty substantial and there and I the only thing I really did as far as specifically uh, Coquelin is there is one video a short tiny they well it wasn't a video it was film <laughs> but uh, uh, and it was early on and it's a shot of him doing about I'd say three min two minutes of uh, Cyrano right and it, I just looked to see I want to remind myself gesturally what was happening then and stuff like that and you know and it was so I did look at that, and that was all really I really did about Constant. Uh, well, know. and one of the things that's nice about the play is that it depicts um, late 19th century, early 20th century acting, but in a more contemporary style than I believe they probably acted. Is that fair to say? Uh, probably. I I kind of am... I, one of the things I love about my role is that I, in one scene, I get to play both ends of the spectrum. I get to sort of duplicate in some manner. If he was a good actor who was emotional, I believe that's probably how it would have been, mm -hmm. some of it. Uh, gesturally and uh, kind of musically. And then 
and she asked me to do, Sarah asked me to do an improv with her where you can get the opposite end of how people think Shakespeare and maybe more how it's like now being done, which is a much more rooted, not realistic, but more psychologically contemporary. It's, and it's lovely, too, because I'm not sure anybody in the room, in the audience, thinks that that's how it happened. But I, we all believe that that's a wonderful way in. And that's a discovery that they probably made in some fashion mm-hmm. back then. But this is how we illustrate it for a modern audience now. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, Bill, you, you, you played a, a, a pompous theater critic. Um, Thank you. So a documentary, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, as if as if um, as if critics are people. So uh, that was interesting. <laughs> I, I had to do a lot of research on that. Did Tried you? To, and a I, lot of imagination. I would imagine. Make it a human being and yes. model it on somebody we may know. But <laughs> no, uh, I tried to do research on Luis, uh, and I looked and dug, looked everywhere. He's not a real person. Oh. Uh, as it turns out, he's sort of an amalgam of uh, everything. Teresa loves about critics uh, uh, <laughs> and smushed him all into one guy. Oh, right. So. Uh, the, yeah, the, the uh, common feelings that we all have about mm-hmm. critics, uh, pompous, uh, they know everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but in her version, he very, he's very supportive of Sarah Bernhardt. He, he is in love with Sarah Bernhardt. Yeah. He adores her. He adores her acting. But he's the part of the story. His function in the story is to maintain the status quo. Right. Um, do Shakespeare the way it's supposed to be done. Men play men's parts, men play women's parts, and women are to be ogled. <laughs> right. So that's, that's his point of view. Again, based on many people we know now. <laughs> um, well, and, and, and we talked on the podcast before because you played Mikhail Gorbachev mm-hmm. um, in Blind Date here at the Goodman. Um, earlier this year, last year, I don't even know when it was again. But, and, and, you fa- and you famously had a biography of Gorbachev on your, uh-huh. on your dressing room counter that I think was there just for show, I think. Yeah, well, uh, it held the door open at times. <laughs> no, I read it. I read all, like, 800 pages of it. It was... So did you feel freer this time to just go, oh, I just need to look at the text and do what Teresa has me say? I just highlighted the punchlines. That was my research. <laughs> <laughs> And Gregory, playing this pompous, uh, grandiose artist, you are letting the wig do all the work. Am I right about that? Uh, absolutely. I, 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 I didn't, there's no research involved. <laughs> no, Mukha, I, I, I've been doing research on this character inadvertently since 1995 when I first moved to Prague. I lived in Prague uh, off and oh. on for five years in the 90s, and I had a Mukha Job, you know, he did this beautiful drawing of a woman smoking a cigarette and the smoke going all around in her hair, and she looks very much like a flower, as I describe her in the play. Um, uh, uh, I described the women that I paint in the play. And I did a lot of research on him um, after getting the role. Uh, I knew that it was something I wanted to do. I have a real affinity for and love for Czech people and him specifically as an artist. Uh-huh. And so I read his biography that his son wrote. And it's, it's an art history book. It's a giant art history book, but it contains a biography of him. Well, and it's a very moving moment where you stand in front of that painting, that yeah, drop of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also illustrative. I almost wanted wanted to see that first, so because when that painting happened, we went, "Oh, he's that guy." He's that guy. That because guy. we've all seen that painting. No, and he's been. I mean, he's constantly ripped off. I just saw a bottle of wine in Trader Joe's, and it was a straight rip off of uh-huh. of, of his work. His work is riffed on and ripped off all over. I mean, he was a pop artist. Yeah. I mean, I think you'd be argued one of one of the first pop artists that also then did fine art as well, because his Slav epic, which is this 
beautiful, gigantic paintings that he did about uh, the, the Slavs and their struggle, right. um, which he did later in his life. But this was very much pop art, and he made a you know good a good deal of money doing that, just that. And then of course did all of not all of but a lot of her posters for six years. He did. And don't forget the biscuit tins. And the biscuit tins, yes. <laughs> so many biscuit tins. So yeah. these guys are the guys that invented merch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and people would go, I mean, this is the great mm. thing about these these posters. They would appear on the street, and they were essentially like, we were taking it out of the galleries, we're taking it out of the museums, and it's on the street, and people would rip them down and put them up into their homes, you know. It's really, it's kind of neat. Yeah, it almost it almost feels as if the title could be Bernhard Hamlet Mucher. I think so. I mean, I think of it as a play about a man who has a hard time painting a poster. That's what the play is about for me. Obviously, so. yeah. But, but one of the things I love, there's so many of the backstage scenes about that. And Larry, one of the things I love about how you play your guy is that there isn't the diva behavior you would expect in a play like this, not necessarily from actors that I've worked with, but in a play like this, you would expect the other actor, the more seasoned actor, the guy who's actually played Hamlet many times, to have a lot of attitude, and you don't do that. You're just a pro doing your job. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I feel like if there's, in this play anyway, if there's supposed to be a diva, it's got to be Sarah Bernhardt. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think it's a play about a war of... Uh, between divas, you know right. what I'm saying? Right. So I also think there's something more powerful or at least more, um, more uh, makes a bigger impression or a better impression about someone who is just knows his craft and is confident in it and, and kind of doesn't have to prove it to anybody, just yeah. simply lives in it. And that's what it feels like to me. So, which is which doesn't really allow diva implies somehow to me proving it at any given turn they might make, and he doesn't have to do that. And he's there to support her, yeah. and he's trying to help her. He's like an actor that we want to be. You know what I mean? I wish uh, I, we would like to be like that. Like, it doesn't yeah. seem, of course he has an ego. He loves playing Cyrano and becoming even a bigger star then. But uh, as far as his role right now, it's to help her because he has the information. That's really interesting to hear you say that because in a play about the great divine Sarah Bernhardt, a famous diva, Teresa Rebeck has written a play about an ensemble. An ensemble of actors yes. helping this woman play yeah, Hamlet. It's true, it's true. Yeah. She has, she has, and she has, um, and she's given everyone a voice in there yeah. too. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, yep. and Sarah listens. She may contradict and want her own way, but she does give the podium to the actors in her company. She, there is respect there, and that's what I. One of the things I love about the play. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yep. you said, that I I'm not a diva actor. Other voice, the people have respect. Even the, the the person playing the smallest role in the company is respected by the lead diva, Sarah. You know right. what I'm saying? There's yeah. uh, I, I I can feel Teresa Rebeck's respect right. for theater and for acting in this play. I think it pervades it in a way. Hey, it's Robert Falls, the Artistic Director of the Goodman Theatre here in Chicago, and you are listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Enjoy.
Where can you RSC the RSC? You can see Reduced Shakespeare in your own home by owning your very own copy of Pop-Up Shakespeare, written by me and Reed Martin and beautifully illustrated by Jenny Mazels. It's on sale worldwide, and you can find links to both Amazon and independent bookstores in the U.S. and the U.K. on our website. Our fall of 2019 tour of the complete works of William Shakespeare Abridged Revised continues this week in Greeley, Colorado, and then continues on with performances in Arcata, California, Fayetteville, Arkansas, Bothell, Washington, Elmira, New York, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, East Lansing, Michigan for two nights, and Branchburg, New Jersey. We'll also perform the ultimate Christmas show abridged on December 14th in Pontiac, Michigan, and on three nights from December 20th to the 22nd in Phoenix, Arizona, and we will open our 11th stage show, Hamlet's Big Adventure, a prequel in Rohnert Park, California on October 18th and 20th. Good heavens, that's in three weeks. And then we will perform the international premiere this November as part of the Tel Aviv Festival in Israel with performances in Jerusalem, Haifa, and two performances in Tel Aviv. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for the Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office, venue, and ticket information. And now back to my conversation with William Dick, Gregory Linnington, and Larry Yando, three of the actors making up the fantastic ensemble of the Goodman Theater production of Bernhard Hamlet, talking about the special obligations that must be considered when you're playing historical characters. Was there a point in rehearsal where any of you, either of you, wanted to... Um, you raise your hand and say, hang on, historically my guy did this or didn't do that in the play. Any tension between historical record and the behavior of your character in, in, in the play? For me, no. Okay. I never, I never, I, that was never any, that ammunition was never part of the, right. it didn't, I, I feel like everyone, and I, I don't want to speak for everyone else, but it felt like we all knew, maybe perhaps the director made it clear, I, although I don't remember a specific discussion, that we were doing Teresa Rebeck's play called Bernhard Hamlet, yeah. and, you know, uh, there are some things that would feel anachronistic, perhaps, mm -hmm. because it has a con it's a contemporary play mm -hmm. about a different period, but I, I, I don't didn't hear and never felt the need myself to use that as to somehow debate something in the play uh, that never came up for me okay basically yeah no nor for myself no I, I, these are I think conjurings out of Teresa's you know fantastic yeah. imagination and how yeah. great that I get to I mean I don't know if he if Muka had some of the first pre-feminist thoughts that a man ever had, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. but it seems like he's verging on the edge of something, of yeah. some mm -hmm. major discovery, and uh, it's of course interrupted, but it's, I, I'm, I'm so thrilled with the language yeah. that's, in, yeah. that's in his mouth and the things I get to say, yeah. Well, and, and, and I guess here's the only thing I would care to say critically with a microphone going about the play is that Sarah in Teresa's play set, makes a great argument for why a woman should play Hamlet. Mm -hmm. Um, because a, a woman of a certain age has the wisdom and maturity to play such a difficult role, but can still look 
boyish or teenage. Or have that yin, yin yang, the yes. both names. Because the a big debate is always how old is Hamlet. Yeah. Happens every, I just did Hamlet at Chicago. You yes. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I just went through all these arguments and to a word in this play when I first read it, I'm like, oh my God, it's my life yes. right now. <laughs> right. We had every single debate. How He's 19. No, he's not 19 because right. when he picks up your your skull, he has to be 39. You need, so Hamlet is one age in some scenes and yep. another age in another, and she uh, rightfully so believes the only person who, uh, the gender that can do that is a woman, and the only age is she has to be older, and okay. she can play both those things. And it's a wonderful argument, yeah, and it's incredibly convincing, and I, and I shake, I dust off my hands, I go, great, done, settled. And then we keep arguing about whether a woman should play Hamlet. And that, to me, that's the thing I don't like about the play, because mm -hmm. it feels like a settled argument for me. And, like, why are we having this argument again? Oh, Haven't we settled this? I think we have settled this. See, I don't find it settled at all. I, I still, when, the, the first question is, what do you think of my plan to play Hamlet? And my, I have a very equivocated response. Yeah. You're a success in everything you, you know, you, you, you try to do. So that is not a, that's not an, and it's not an endorsement. It's certainly not. No, you know, no, no. I sure. think you should do it. And I think it's going to be great. And we're going to sell a lot of tickets. And my sure. posters are going to be all over the place. I think that it's a risk. Right. You know? And it's, don't it's, forget the other. It's not just the age thing that decides whether she can or cannot do Hamlet. My whole thing as, as Coquelin and I think Rostand's and even the critic, Louis, is that she doesn't want to do it as written. Yeah. I find a much more important argument is, <laughs> is it okay to do that, play yeah. Hamlet, man yeah. or woman, yeah. and take the poetry out? Yeah. Is it then Hamlet? And I think that's the main thrust of the argument. The, uh, I mean, maybe Louis has a little more problem with the male-female thing, but I have problems too, <laughs> but it's based on the actual getting rid of iambic pentameter yeah. because she thinks it's overwritten. Yeah, if you're going to do Hamlet, then do Hamlet. Yeah, so yeah. I think there are, it's still, I think that's still very much alive with other arguments, not just the age thing. Right. Yeah, I think uh, Lewis initially reacts very strongly to the idea of a woman playing Hamlet, but later it gets into an argument about changing the text. Yeah. And why not do something else? Yeah. Why... As uh, Edmund says, submit, submit to Shakespeare, do it as written. Right. But then she has a very strong argument too. You can't tell me not to do my Hamlet. Right. And uh, yeah, no, fair enough. I, I, talking about Hamlet's age, I wanted to stand up from my seat in the third row and say, "The Gravedigger is an unreliable source." <laughs> 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 Shut up, everybody. Um, uh, uh, now uh, we're now we're going to talk about a, a couple of different characters. Um, uh, uh, both Bill and Larry, you guys have played not historical characters, but beloved characters. Um, Bill, you just played the wizard in The Wizard of Oz. Who is a real person? Who is a real person? I did a lot of research on him. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Um, <laughs> well, and Professor it's a, Marvel. Sure, Professor Marvel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and Larry of Marvel, Marvel. <laughs> they called me Captain Marvel during the show <laughs> as well they should have um, and Larry you uh, uh, famously at least here in Chicago um, uh, play, have played Ebenezer Scrooge for many years I have yes uh, yes. Uh, we, did you not get four the memo times. <laughs> I've done it four times um, 
does that is there a, do you find a pressure there to oh my god I'm doing this character that is so well known to stick to the historical record or the emotional I record I might have felt that 12 years ago I forget it I don't <laughs> I have no memory now I'm just like oh my god can I bring something to this again this year you know yeah, what I'm right. saying yeah I now feel I am Ebenezer Scrooge <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know what I mean yeah. like I can't I forget where the lines separating them is anymore. You know what I mean? Can, can you be a virgin at this year again? Yes, I think I can. I mean, one of the good things is I, the early on, it was a really great early first rehearsal period where we sort of dug deep and I was allowed to go dark and mm. lots of stuff. So it feels very rooted in a very strong reality of mine, so, which always pay, which has paid off because then it's never sort of remembering shtick or a physical right. life. It's just sort of going back into this guy's psycho- psychology. And yeah. that makes it sort of stay rooted and real and, you know, I hate to say it, organic or whatever. So, yeah, I hope I can. I just can't believe everyone wants to look at my darn face again <laughs> doing that. Like, it's like, really? Okay. Well, okay. Uh, Gregory's always looking for work, so watch your back. That's yeah. all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just waiting, Larry. I'm waiting until you're tired. <laughs> Get in line. Tell me about it. It's around the block. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Teresa Rebeck's Bernhardt Hamlet runs at the Goodman Theater in Chicago until October 20th, 2019. Go to goodmantheater.org for tickets and information. Then send us your historical obligations via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can find us and interact with other fans on our dedicated podcast page on Facebook at RSE Podcast, on Instagram at Reduced Shakespeare Company, or on my preferred platform on Twitter at Reduced. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener. Thanks as always to hysterical caricature Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout out this week goes to Adam Tams. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Robert Falls, artistic director of the Goodman Theater in Chicago, who graciously sat down for an in-depth interview with me last week, which I will post in the coming weeks. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. I'm Austin Titchener, 668 2004ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Gentlemen, thank you for very, for giving me uh, 20 minutes of your time on a two-show day. Thank you. Yeah, you my pleasure. My absolute pleasure. My pleasure. This podcast is a production of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReducedShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.